0: Hey, welcome to Blackhawk Church. My name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors on the teaching team here at Blackhawk Church. Welcome to those of you who are watching right now online uh, in your home or hotel or wherever you're at. Welcome to those of you who are Blackhawk Fitchburg, Blackhawk Downtown, those of you who are in traditions, and those of you who are in the uh, gospel venue. Hey, welcome uh, to everybody. Those of you who are part of our Chinese venue, uh, Dijong Zimei Ping An. And if you're a Spanish speaker, bienvenido a Black Hawk. Hey, how you guys doing? You guys good in this room? Yeah? I didn't welcome you guys. Yeah, I yeah, good to see you guys too. Yeah, listen, uh, if you guys have been around a Black Hawk uh, very long, you know from time to time, I talk about one of my very favorite subjects, and that is uh, the, no. no. <laughs> What do you think I'm gonna say now? Uh. No, not the Cubs. <laughs> the night sky, you guys. <laughs> the night sky will never let you down, alright? <laughs> Unlike a baseball team, I know. <laughs> the night sky. Whenever I get discouraged, man, I just look up at the night sky. Because it's you know you know, with with your eyes not aided by any binoculars or anything like that. All of the lights that you see in the night sky are a part of our galaxy. It's called the, what's our galaxy called? Milky Way galaxy. All of the, all of the lights, nine of the lights wander. Uh, they don't stay in the same place, and the Greek word for wander is planeto, so they're called planets, they wander. But all the other lights are fixed, And uh, all those stars are in our galaxy, except one little fuzzy light, that if you get away from the lights of a city and you go out into the country like you camp in one night in the summer, you can look up, and if you find Ursa Major, the Big Dipper, and look over to the right of that, and you see Cassiopeia, you can see this fuzzy, fuzzy little light, and that's actually another galaxy. It's called M31, or the Andromeda galaxy. Here's where you can find it, in the night sky. The screen looks dirty, but it's not. Those are stars, actually stars. And uh, then there's Cassiopeia. And then there's this little fuzzy, fuzzy Andromeda. And, you know, I've been looking at Andromeda for years. It never looks this bright. So this is like, whatever, enhanced or whatever. And, you know, there's no name up there like that that says that's what you're looking at. But uh, it's it's... Andromeda is, uh, is pretty, is, it's amazing. <laughs> it's far, it's kind of far. <laughs> so it, it, it takes a little less than three million years for the light from Andromeda could get to our eyes. You know, when you look up, you're looking at the past. You know that, right? You look at the sun, that's nine minutes ago. It takes nine minutes for the light to get here. And then you look up at any of the stars, most of it's 10. 15, there's very few stars, there are no stars that are, well, there's a few stars that are within 10 light years, but most of them are like hundreds of light years. You're always looking up at the past when you look up. That's, th- it, 3 million years ago, it sent that light to us and it just hits our eyes, the Andromeda galaxy. Is that cool or what? <laughs> it's kind of a big galaxy. So here's a picture of the galaxy close up. is that Beautiful. So if I was going to kind of make a model of the Andromeda galaxy, I could take a, a box of salt, and uh, every crystal would represent a star. And then I would uh, pour these uh, stars out, and, and to, get the, to get the number of stars right, you think one box of salt would do it? No, no, maybe 10. No, 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 no. I would need 10,000 boxes of salt. (laughs) And then I'd go out in the middle of the floor here. And then I would pour out the salt. And to get the scale right, each crystal representing a star, I'd have to spread the salt out over a distance of the moon's orbit around the earth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Woo, <wow. laughs> and that's just that's one galaxy you guys and uh, people study this kind of say, say tell us that there was between 100 and 200 billion galaxies <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> now some of you when I tell things like this you, got, you instantly don't believe me instantly so I get stuff like this from a book that I've used for years and years it's called 365 Starry Nights. I totally recommend this book. It uh, came out in the 80s, this real old book. This is my book, and it's, uh, it's water damaged because I've taken this on. I don't, I've lost count of the number of camping trips I've taken this book on. And the thing I like about it is that you can just kind of turn to the date. Like, you know, I could turn, like, to April, what's today, April 3rd. So I turn to April 3rd, and it starts talking about Leo the Lion. So if you look up in the night sky now, you can see Leo the Lion. It talks about that. It's just so cool. If you're not into books like this and you want something for your device, there are a bunch of star apps. You can just Google star apps, and you'll find tons of them. I use uh, these two, Skyview and Starwalk, but there's like five or six, and most of them are free, and so you can put those on your device, and it just reminds you of the truth that's in God's Word. Psalm 19.1, which is what? The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Wow. And I just, whenever I get discouraged, I just look up. Because the the the, the most important question is, is there God? That's the most important question. And then the next one is, what's he like? <laughs> There's a guy named A.W. Tozer who said, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And what comes into our mind when we think about God should be that he is unfathomable. (laughs) He's beyond our ability to comprehend. He is so great and so powerful. But if when we think about God, all we think about is his grandeur and splendor and how how magnificent and great he is, we have a deficient view of God. It's deficient. Because he's not only great and powerful, he's also loving. (laughs) He's as loving as he is big. He is also merciful. He's as merciful as he is big. And he is good. He is good. He's as good as the Andromeda galaxy is big. And there are a million things happening in your life right now that are pulling you away from that biblical fact. God is good. It's the basis of all of our prayers. That's what we're going to talk about today. Take your Bibles, turn to uh, the Sermon uh, on uh, the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. This is the 10th and 11-part series as we're going through uh, the Sermon on the Mount. We're calling this series the Becoming series because the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' proclamation of the gospel, the good news. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And we're almost to the end. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. Here we go. How you guys doing? You guys doing okay? I'll try to calm down. I got a little excited about the stars. <laughs> I could talk about the stars all day long. Here we go. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now it kind of looks like he's talking about prayer, and then in verse twelve, he kind of switches to this thing we call the golden rule. So in everything, do to others what you have to. So like it looks like that's just tacked on. Like, you know, somebody just tacked that on. It doesn't go with the prayer part, but he's not tacking that on. It's intricately related to what he's done in the sermon and is strategically related to what he just says about God's. Goodness. So it's related to the rest of the sermon. So, like uh, several weeks ago, on February 13th, I talked about uh, the the outline of the sermon on the Mount. Every sermon has an introduction, a body, and then a conclusion. So, the introduction is these Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And then he says, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And then in 517, he starts the body of the message in 517. Don't think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I haven't come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And then he goes all the way through. And then he ends in 712 with the law and the prophets. And then there's a conclusion. About some different things, you make a decision. There's two gates, there's two kinds of trees, and there's two kinds of builders. Charles will cover that next week. Here, let's look at these two verses, five seventeen. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets, and then he ends with the law and the prophets. So it's their book ends. So seven twelve, he's kind of so in everything. So he's talking about everything that he's already said. And strategically, he's actually talking about, it's related to the fact that because God is a good God, yeah, do the golden rule. So let's get back to that later. First, let's look what Jesus has to say about prayer. You guys okay with that? Doesn't matter, I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Ask... And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. It looks like what he's saying is that everyone who Ask, receives, and seeks, that's what he's saying, actually. And that's a problem. Because we read that, and we all go in the back of our minds, that's not my experience with prayer. Right? Do like this. If you, yeah, it's not my experience. So this sounds like something somebody would say in a sermon, but it doesn't really fit real life. It's religious mumbo-jumbo. That's a problem. So we need to talk about that. But before we talk about the problem that we have with what Jesus is saying, let's first give Jesus the benefit of the doubt and act like he knows a thing or two about prayer. Just saying, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. So, what, what, what from his perspective, what, what's he saying? When Jesus talks about prayer, he makes it sound so simple. Duh. Ask, seek, find, knock. Ask, knock. I can't, I'll tell you what, it just blows my mind. Many of us, when we think about prayer, we go, oh, I can't pray, Pastor Chris. You know, I, those, I hear pastors pray, and I can't pray like that. Pray, you know, I, I can't pray like that. <laughs> Prayer, you guys, is simple. Don't make complicated what Jesus makes simple. It's simple. Just ask. Here's, here's how hard prayer is. Hello. Can you knock? It's simple. Because prayer is not about the skill of the person praying. It's about the goodness of the God we pray to. Duh. Duh. <laughs> So ask, seek, and knock, and the door will be open to you. So pray. Prayer should be simple to us. Because God is a good God. And that's what he says in this parable of the next verse. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So this is a parable, and it's basically uh, arguing from the lesser to the greater. Do you see that? How much more to give your good fathers to your children? How much more? Right there. That's what he's doing. You guys are evil. You know how to give good gifts. How much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So that's the idea. God is a good God. So you can pray to him because, well, heck, you know how to give good gifts. So you're his children. Ask and he will give you good gifts. It's that whole idea from the lesser to the greater. What Jesus is doing with this very simple parable is he's trying to motivate the people on the side of the hill to pray more and more and more. Why? Because God is good. I might summarize it like this. God is good, therefore we should pray more and more and more. That's what he's saying. But we struggle with that because of unanswered prayer. Nothing will kill someone's uh, spiritual life like a whole bunch of unanswered prayers. Nothing will dampen your passion for the awesome, unfathomable living God like some serious prayers that you pray that go unanswered. And I'm not talking about unanswered prayer like it's trivial things, like you're praying that the traffic clears up so you can make it to class on time, or you're praying that the ball goes into the hole on a, on a putt, or that your team wins the NCAA championship. I'm not talking about I'm talking about serious kinds of prayers, prayers like this. You pray that a loved one will come to follow Jesus, and they don't, or you pray for a loved one's healing, and they die, or you pray for employment, and you don't get a job. Or justice in the face of injustice. And that's what we're seeing in the news constantly. People who are followers of God have always struggled with unanswered prayer. It's all over the Bible. So we read in the book of Lamentations. You have covered yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can get through. We read in Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? We see examples of unanswered prayer constantly in the Bible. Here's just a few. Moses fled with God to allow him to accompany Israel across the Jordan River. Request denied. David pled with God for one week to allow his infant son to live, request denied. Job pled with God to take his suffering away, request denied. Habakkuk prayed for the deliverance from Babylonians, request denied. Jeremiah prayed that Jerusalem would not be destroyed, request denied. Paul prayed for the removal of his thorn in the flesh, request denied. Jesus prayed, let this cup pass, request denied. Over and over and over and over. Here, let me show you some of my prayers that have not been answered prayers that are serious to me that my dad would survive his leukemia request denied that my brother-in-law's marriage would survive request denied that some good friends would be healed from their diseases request denied that my mother would not lose her mind before she died request denied we all struggle with it all of us do Sometimes there's good reasons why requests are denied. Here's a few. We may ask with the wrong motives. When you ask, do not re- you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures, James 4. We may cherish sin in our heart. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened, Psalm 66:18. 18. Isaiah 1 15 through 17. We may not care for the plight of the oppressed. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do what is right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. When we do not do that, he's not listening to us in a few weeks we're going to go through the book of Micah (laughs) that's all about this basically they were not about justice at all but what about those times when we we feel like we have been on the side of the oppressed when we were praying with the right motives and when as far as we knew there was no sin in our hearts and then our requests are still denied What, what, what about that Thanks for thinking that I might have the answer to that. (laughs) I really appreciate you thinking that I might have, here's the answer. (laughs) I I don't have an answer to that. I know some things that I have preached in the past, um, you know, what's that sermon? Uh, God says three things, yes, no, and wait. I think it was one of my sermons in the past. That's a good sermon, but it's not very satisfying as an answer. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how to pray. i oh, the only spirit, Romans 8. You know, he's the only one who can pray for you. I, I, I get that, and I totally believe that. But it doesn't help me with what Jesus says. It's so simple. Ask, see. Oh. So that's why a parable like Jesus says in Sermon on the Mount is helpful for me. Because I have all kinds of things in my life that are pulling me away from the idea that God is good, and it's helpful for me to remind myself that God is actually good. It's like when I think God is small, I look up at the night sky and I go, there's all things that I cannot fathom. I cannot fathom. And there might be some reasons that a holy God decides to not answer my prayers that I will not be able to fathom. Because my God is beyond my ability to comprehend. And God is good. He's as good as the Andromeda Galaxy is big. (laughs) So let's look back at what Jesus says Ask and be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. I can tell you some things that Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying, hey, let me give you another rule for prayer. The Pharisees, you know, they're in the background. They're the ones who they want rules. They want rules, and if God doesn't, I, you know, people come up to me, they'll go, "Here, Pastor Chris, it says right here. Why isn't God?" Doing-? It's like, well, you know what? Let me ask you a question: Do you think you can put the magnificent, great God in your debt? Do you really think that that you can tell God what to do? Really? The Pharisees thought that. No, 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 no. It's not another rule. And Jesus is not saying that prayer is like magic. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, God's like a genie. We're like Aladdin. Rub a lamp. Boom. Man, if prayer was like magic, I would stop praying right away. I would stop praying. Why? Because I've asked for some things that I'm really glad God didn't answer that prayer. Have you ever done that? Can you imagine, oh, God's going to do it? No, I'm glad it's not like that. Because, my gosh, before I met Sunshine, I was in love with a woman named Gina. And she's an awesome person. And I prayed and prayed and prayed that, you know, our lives would end up together. And God didn't answer that prayer. Praise God he didn't answer that prayer. Because then, you know, I met my wife. And I'm thinking, That's, this is a win, this is a win here. So, you know, I don't know if she's watching, but Gina, nothing against you, really. <laughs> nothing against you. So, you know, my wife helps me with all my messages, you know, and uh, so I said, you know, I think I'm gonna look at the camera and because I don't know who's uh, kind of watching. And it's a funny, funny thing is because the same thing happened to my wife. Before she met me, she was in love with a guy named Ryan. And Ryan is watching. (laughs) Sorry, buddy. No, I'm not sorry, actually. It's It's a good thing that prayer is not like magic. God's not a bad parent. What do you call children who get everything they ask for? Whenever they want it, they get it. You call those kind of children spoiled brats they're spoiled brats and what do you call parents who give their kids anything they want whenever they want it grandparents (laughs) yes my grandson comes over he knows where the chocolate is we help him unwrap it His, his mom and dad would never do that God is like a good parent He's not going to give his kids everything they ask for. And we say, praise God for that. If you want to drive home, listen, you guys, the pull in our hearts that God is not good and he doesn't answer prayer is very powerful. Listen to what one family in Black Hawk Church has done. They write down their prayer requests. And then at the end of the year, The prayers that God has answered, whenever God answers a prayer, they cut that piece of paper so they have a slip that God's answered that. They put it in a jar. And then they put all of the answered prayers in a jar. On New Year's Eve, they open the jar, dump out all the things on a table, and all the kids and all the family look and see all of the things that God has done, and they say, God is good. He's as good as the intro of the galaxy is big. Better, actually. So what about that verse at the end? You know, 712. So, in everything due unto others. This is what we know. We memorize that. Well, that's the golden rule. Do to others. But we forget the most powerful word in that sentence is so. And we just ripped the thing out of context. So, see, God is good. So, you'll be good. You want to treat people to treat you good? you be good. You see, the kingdom that Jesus is proclaiming In the whole Sermon on the Mount is an invitation to a different kind of world. We live in a world that's filled with injustice, filled with people who close doors, filled with people who are not generous. So, you want to live in a world that's generous? You be generous, like God is generous. You want to live in a world where doors are open? You open doors for others. (laughs) You want to live in a world that is kind and wonderful? You be kind and wonderful to others. You guys following me? This sums up the law and the prophets. Heck, it sums up most of the Bible. God's kingdom is where God's people live like a good God lives. So, in everything, be good like God. (laughs) That's what he's saying. Do to others like you'd have them do to you. A long time ago, 1975, I was 19 years old. I'm 66, just to keep you from doing the math. It was the summer of my freshman year, and, you know, I was a, a gymnast, you know, 47 pounds ago, and um, me and another guy went from uh, Terre Haute, Indiana, where Indiana State was, when we went to school, to Evansville, Indiana, and in the summer, we were in a little gymnastic camp, and it was a gymnastic camp for kids in uh, Evansville, Indiana. One of the parents was uh, a guy named Fitzsimmons. Dr. Fitzsimmons, and uh, he was in charge of uh, one of the emergency rooms of one of the large hospitals in Evansville, and he would show up like uh, at the end of practice all the time, and he just appreciated kind of what we were doing, and just to show his appreciation, he asked us on the last night if uh, me and my friend, a guy named Randy, would like to go out and have dinner with him, and we thought, oh, that's awesome, you know, so we said, yeah, so he picks us up, and he takes us to a country club. I'm 19 and I have never been to like a country club like this before. So this is kind of the place where, I mean, you know, there was white tablecloths on everything. And the waiters had like little like, white jackets, you know. And nobody there's no money exchanged, you know. They they just, at the end of the year, they just come to Dr. Fitzsimmons with a little and he just signs like this. Like I'm like, whoa, 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 my like whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I had never been, you know, we, I don't come from country club people, you know what I'm saying? You know, a big night for us was steak and shake. You know, that was kind of a big night for us. <laughs> so I, I'm at a country club with this guy, and he's, he's saying to us, he says, you know, this is some of the best food in town, it's like right here. So, you know, we, the, the menu comes, you know, the menu has like, you know, four things on it, you know. <laughs> so I, I, I look at the menu, and I'm thinking, well, I'll take the hamburger. <laughs> Dr. Fitzsimmons looks at me and he goes, oh, that's a mistake. <laughs> no, 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 this, the best steak in town is right here. You know, I'm just thinking in my mind, you know, I, I don't want to be presumptuous on anybody. You know, I was like, what? Okay, I will twist my arm. <laughs> okay, I'll have the steak. The steak comes. I have never had a steak as good and as tender as this steak. It just like comes on the plate and it's just like almost, it just falls apart like that. I eat this steak and it's just like, oh my God. Something you don't know about me. People that eat with me know this. My taste buds are directly connected to my vocal cords. They're directly connected. (laughs) And whenever I see something good, I'm just going, oh, 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 oh. I'm just like, well, this is the best. I'm just like going, I'm moaning and everything like this. And I'm just going boom, 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 boom. the steak is gone. I finished before everybody else. And Dr. Fitzsimmons looks at me and he's like, hmm, was the steak good? I'm like, oh, my gosh, it was fantastic. And he does like this to the waiter. And the waiter comes over. And he looks at me and he says, Chris, would you like another steak? I would like another steak. But I'm from the Midwest, I'm Midwest nice. I don't want to presume upon anybody. So no, 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 I don't want want another steak. I'm Midwest kind. I'm like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. That's okay, okay, Dr. Fitzsimmons is really good, really nice of you, but no. No, I don't don't believe you, he says. (laughs) I, I think you want another steak. Do you want another steak? I don't know. I, I don't want to know. It's okay. You know, I know it's expensive. That's the wrong thing to say. <laughs> when I said it's expensive, he looked at me with a stern, almost angry face, and said, "You know, Chris, I'm a doctor." I make a lot of money. It takes a lot of money to be in a club like this. Do you really think that if you have another stake, that's going to put me back financially? <laughs> now, do you want another stake or not? <laughs> I looked at the and said, I'll have another stake. <laughs> Listen, you guys. God is generous. He's good. Stop being Midwest nice, (laughs) ask, ask, ask God, knock, seek, and if you don't ask again, Ask. ask, ask, ask. God is as good as the Andromeda galaxy, is big, better actually. And if you're tired of living in the world, that is just so evil and corrupt, then you start being like God. You don't like it when people close the door in your face? Start opening the door for other people. You don't like it when people are not generous to you? Start being generous to other people. You don't like it when people are not good around you? Start being good to other people. Be like God. Do to others what you would have them do to you. That sums up most of the Bible. Yeah. I've run out of things to say. Let's pray. I'm going to ask... I'm going to ask, Father, that you would be, that your goodness would just shine like the brightest star. Because I know, I know that things are happening in lives, in families that I'm talking to right now, where they, they are doubting what is true about you. So I pray, Father, that something happens today that they would be able to see your goodness. Even in uh, the face of maybe some unanswered prayers that they have had to struggle with. And I pray, Father, that you would help us as people of God to be like you in our world especially when people are not generous to us, and not good to us, that we would be good. And we would be like you. And I'm gonna ask that you help us as a people of God to be people of prayer and that we would not give up and that we would pray and pray and pray and pray because you are good. And it's the foundation of all our prayers. We pray this in Jesus' name for the sake of his reputation. All God's people said,